And we're especially delighted tonight that he's consented to come and tell us how he come to know the Lord. And not only that, but then talk to us a little bit about uh, the aftermath of the uh, home call of his brother Matthew just over two years ago. And I, I no doubt that that will be traumatic for him, traumatic for his family. It's good to have uh, the whole of the Whiteman family here with us as well tonight. And our thoughts and prayers are with them and Phyllis and Hartford uh, at this time. All right, forward, right. Hello, everybody. How you doing? I have to say, it is good to be back in Carried Off Free Presbyterian. And just as the Reverend McLaughlin has said, uh, I used to attend here with my mum and dad. And, uh, and I was thinking back when the last time I was here, it's the first time in, in your new building. And um, the last time I was here, it was probably 2008 or 2009. So it's roughly 14 or 15 years ago now. And it's hard to believe where that time has went to. And there's been a few changes from then. Um, not only have you guys got a new building and a lovely new church, but uh, I, uh, I've changed also. So there's been a change in the outward. I, I used to have a, a bit more hair in my head the last time I was here. Uh, I, I can't grow it on my head now, so I have to grow it on my face instead. So uh, I'm kind of in disguise tonight. Um, but, uh, but, you know, there's been a bigger change, and, and that bigger change has been in my heart. You know, the last time I would have attended here back in 2008, if truth be told, I probably was itching for the meeting to be over so that I could get outside. And it's not because there was anything wrong with Reverend McLaughlin's message. It was simply because I knew what he was preaching was right. And I was convicted. But you see, I didn't want to hear it. And the sooner I could get out the door and, uh, and, and think about something else, well, that's, that's what I did to my shame. But, you know, the Lord didn't give up, and amen to that. Um, he kept on at me. And, uh, you know, if you had told me back in 2008, the last day I walked out of the, the wee hall across the way here, and said, Ford, the next time you'll be back and carried off, you'll be coming to speak in the meeting. Well, I'd have laughed you up, up the road. Uh, you know, nobody's more surprised at me standing here than what I am. But, you know, the Lord has been good. So I just want to share a little bit with you my story and my testimony of how the Lord has saved me and how he's blessed me. And uh, so, but before I start, if we could just briefly bow in prayer. And uh, it's simply, you know, there's some of you here that I do know and uh, uh, some uh, that I don't. But, you know, you guys all know each other far better than I do. And I'd simply ask you that while I'm asking the Lord for help now, that you just pray for somebody maybe sitting beside you or behind you in front of you that perhaps maybe this message is for. My Lord and my God, I thank you, Lord, for bringing me back to carry off Free Presbyterian this evening. Lord, I ask you, Lord, for help now the night. Lord, just to speak well, not to glorify Ford Arnold, but to glorify you, Lord, my Savior. I pray, Lord, that you'll help me to keep a handle on my emotions, Lord, and speak from the heart. Amen. Amen. 
So if you have your Bible with you, I just have uh, one scripture reading I'd like to read to you, and that is in uh, Isaiah chapter 43. It's Isaiah chapter 43, and it's really the first couple of verses, and I'm going to break into the first verse about halfway through where it says, O Israel. But, you know, the Lord speaks to us all differently. And it's a personal relationship with the Lord. So you can put your own name in place here of Israel. I'm going to put my name in while I read this. O Ford, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name, thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. Amen. So a little bit about me. Um, Ford Arnold. Uh, I was born 29th of April, 1985. I often think that whenever anybody calls out a date, everybody's trying to immediately work out how old I am. So I am currently 36. I'm on the countdown in a few days' time. I'm going to be turning 37. And uh, although I wrote it on our calendar at home, I wrote it in brackets on the 21 again because that's really just how I feel. I don't feel any different. Uh, I have a few aches and pains which come along every so often to remind me that I'm not 21 anymore. But I do feel like I am. But... Um, I was born the 20th of April 1985, and I was the second son born to my mum and dad, Hartford and Phyllis Arnold. And just like my dad, I was called Hartford. My full name is Hartford, like my dad, and like my granda, he was Hartford as well. Uh, and also my great-granda, um, he was Hartford too. So you could say I'm really fourth in line, but I don't know what I'm in line to. But uh, I'm fourth anyway, uh, uh, but we seem to have broke the mould because... We haven't called any of our boys Hartford, uh, unless there's going to be another one come along. Nah, Nikki's shaking her head here, so that's a no. But, uh, but just like my granda, I was given Ford for short, just so that perhaps you wouldn't mix me or my dad up. Um, although I wouldn't like to think that you would now. But he, uh, uh, he does try and tell everybody he's my older brother, but he's not. He's my dad. But um, I was born, I was the second son. And I had an older brother who was born the year before me, my brother Thomas. And Thomas, roughly by the time I was coming along, Thomas was approaching a year old. And it was only then that mum and dad had realised that Thomas wasn't really developing um, as had been expected. And they took him to the doctors, and the doctors had done various tests, and they come back to, uh, with the conclusion that Thomas had, uh, was mentally and physically handicapped. Just simply a little uh, part, no bigger than your thumbnail at the back of Thomas's head, just wasn't formed properly. And uh, as a result of that, Thomas uh, would neither walk or talk. He just lacked that ability and that strength. And, uh, but my, my parents were reassured that this was uh, a one in a million uh, chance and this, this, this uh, wouldn't happen again. So after I was born, I, they'd done various tests in me and they very quickly come back to say that everything was well with me. I was fine. And, uh, uh, and uh, that was that. 
The following year, then, uh, I had a younger brother, uh, Wensley, another unusual family name. Uh, we have a lot of unusual family names in, in our family, but uh, uh, Wensley was born the year after me, 1986, and it was only after Wensley was born that the doctors come and very quickly told my parents that they couldn't believe that this had happened, but Wensley had exactly the same condition as his older brother, Thomas. And the Wensley too would be mentally and physically handicapped and he wouldn't be able to walk or talk or to sit up on his own but you know the two boys were perfect to me I at that age you know I didn't know any better they were they were my brothers and I I loved them just the same I didn't uh, didn't notice that there was anything wrong with them or didn't think like that and uh, I have fond memories of helping mum strap Thomas and Wensley up into their their big padded um chairs to sit up in so that uh, I had helped mum to feed them and uh, but you know part of the, the boys condition was that they were very prone to chest infections simply because they couldn't move about like you or me and if, some, if they got something to settle on their chest that it really took a grip on them and so it was late on in, in uh, the winter of 1989 that Thomas um, had a particularly bad chest infection and he went into Craig Avon Hospital but Thomas, the chest infection got worse and uh, it then developed into pneumonia. And very quickly, Thomas couldn't fight it off. And within a few days, Thomas succumbed to the pneumonia and Thomas went home to be with the Lord. Now, as a father, now myself, I can't imagine, nor do I want to, what that is like to lose a child. But... Um, you know, it was against the blackness of grief. A bit like the night sky. The blacker the sky, the brighter the stars that shine out of it. And it was through that tragedy in our home that it, uh, it made my dad look up and to contemplate about his soul. And my dad got saved. And you know, it was, it was powerful. But, you know, while the nurses in Craig Avenue Hospital, mum and dad, were on a first-name basis with them because they were attending so many appointments with the children, and uh, the nurses reached out and, and offered to look after my younger brother, Wensley, while my mum and dad made arrangements for Thomas's funeral. And, uh, but, you know, it was after Thomas's funeral that mum and dad went to visit Wensley with the view of bringing him home again. And uh, the doctors just come back with the news that Wensley too now had also picked up the bad chest infection and it too also had developed into pneumonia on both of Wensley's lungs. And just nine days after, Thomas went home to be with the Lord. So too did Wensley. But, uh, you know, it was just... I can still remember it. I was only four and a half at the time, but I can still remember the emptiness at home in our house. But you know, I can also say that it was a blessed time for my dad had got saved. My mum too, who was a backslider. My mum come back to the Lord as well. And we both, we all as a family started to attend Lurgan Free Presbyterian Church. And uh, you know, mum and dad grew in their faith and started to give their testimony in little halls and uh, in churches up and down the country and even in people's homes. And uh, I went along with them. And it was one evening, 
at, uh, at one of these meetings in Ballenhinch Church that uh, the, 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 had the African uh, Orphans Choir there singing that night. And uh, it was at that meeting that the children, after they'd sung their pieces, a few of the children would come up and would speak and explain how they lost their parents and would, would, uh, would speak a little bit about it. And I found it very emotional. I was nine years of age at that time. And, uh, you know, on the way home in the, on, in the car, coming from Balnehenge back till, back till Dremore, back to where we were brought, I was brought up in the village of Donnacloney, um, mums knew that I was upset in the back seat of the car and said, Ford, what's wrong? And, you know, just as direct and as blunt as a child can be, I said, you know, mum, could we not have brought some of those wee boys or girls home? Uh, because you know I'm lonely, and you know what, uh, Mum just brought me into the house that night in the kitchen at home, and she said, "Ford, if that's what you have in your heart, you pray for it." And I can clearly remember praying, and I uh, praying at the side of my bed for a wee brother. And uh, now you'll notice that I didn't want a sister; it was only a wee brother that I was interested in. But uh, you know. It was only a few months later that mum and dad called me into their bedroom to tell me that they were expecting and that the following year that I would have a wee brother or a wee sister. But deep down I knew it was a wee brother that was due because that's what I had prayed for. And so it was right, it was proved right in, in 13th of June 1995. Um, I was 10 by this stage, there was 10 years between me, me and Matthew, but Matthew was born and my granny took me over to see him in Craigavon Area Hospital. And uh, I can remember looking into his wee cot and seeing him and thinking, uh, you know, he's that small. It's going to be a day or two before he kicks the ball back to me. But uh, Matthew grew up very quick, you know. And although there was 10 years of difference between me, me and Matty, you know, uh, we, got on, we got on great. Whether I brought him up to my level or he brought me down to his level, I don't know. But uh, I, I know we got on great, so we did. But, you know... As a, as a child, you know, I had got saved myself. I, I, as a young man, a young, young child brought up in the church, I very soon knew my need of a saviour. And so it was that as a child, I asked the Lord Jesus into my heart. But, you know, while I was at Donnacrony Primary School in the wee country school of only 150 pupils, it was very easy for me to defend my faith. It wasn't pushed or challenged. But then as I got on into my teens and I was now at Bambridge Academy, there's now into a school of 1,500 pupils in it. And as I got on in the senior years, so the things of the Lord just drifted away and I let them go. I was trying to run and keep up and, and fit in with the senior boys in the rugby team. And, and uh, you know, that's just how I was living my life. Just drifted, drifted away from God. And I was replaced then, the, the youth fellowship meeting uh, on a Friday night, I replaced it then with attending the Coach Nightclub in Bambridge and other places like it up and down the country. And so it was that I just drifted away. But I always thought in the back of my mind that oh, there'll be time for this. There'll be time. I'll have time for God later on. And I can remember setting up milestones that I would then come back to God. And I would have thought, well, sure, Ford, you can wait until you're, you're, you're married and you have children. And you can wait till you're an old man and you'll, you'll have time for God then. And sure, what harm was it doing anyway? I wasn't breaking any laws of the land. And, you know, I suppose the way I looked at it was I just thought I was the, like the black sheep. But you'll notice that I still thought I was a sheep because I still thought that really I was saved. 
And I always sort of thought that I had like my insurance policy of being saved as a child. And uh, that's just how I, how I treated the Lord. I lifted him and laid him down when it suited me. But, um, you know, it was, it was later on then, as I went on through my 20s, by this stage now, I had met my future wife, Nikki, and uh, me and Nikki, just like any young couple, we were making plans of one day getting engaged and getting married and setting up home and one day, God willing, to start a family. And, uh, and so those, those milestones come and went. We were married, we were engaged in 2009, married in 2011, and uh, we welcomed our first son into the world in 2013, and we called him Thomas. Then later on, it was our next son, our second son. We welcomed him into the world in 2015. We called him Daniel after uh, Matthew. Matthew's middle name was Daniel. But, um, you know, I was now passing these milestones where previously, whenever I was a teenager or in my early 20s, I was passing these milestones now where I would have said that I would have come back to the Lord, but I wasn't. And it was really two things that happened sort of almost side by side. One thing was a chance meeting with a friend of mine who I hadn't seen in a long time. And out of the blue, this friend brought up the topic of God. And this was very strange because me and this friend had never talked about God before. But he, he pretty much said, he said, you know, Ford, I wouldn't go the whole way to say I'm an atheist, but I'm pretty close to it. And this really hit me, uh, took me by surprise because I always just thought of me and my friends as as, as bad sinners, but, you know, deep down I thought that we still all believed in God. And for him to tell me now that he didn't, it really shook me. And it actually really annoyed me, even though as, as, as bad a backslider as I was, it really got to me. And he raised points with me and arguments with me that evening that I didn't have an answer for. And truth be told, I didn't like losing an argument. And the following day, I, uh, I, I bought a book on the internet called I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. It was written by an American author, a man from New York, a man called Do uh, Dr. Frank Turek. And he really sets out in that book, it's a bit, almost a bit like a science textbook, arguments for actually proving God's existence from science and defending the Christian faith from a scientific point of view. And I found this book really, really interesting. I was back again now reading my Bible, something that I hadn't done in years. And through that book, it then led on to other books by a man here from our own province, a professor, John Lennox, who's a Christian apologist. And he, I found his books also very interesting. But you know, all this study that I was doing, it, 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 I wasn't fully committing. I was still holding something back. And you know, I suppose I'd say the, the, the straw that, that broke the camel's back for me, well, it was more personal than that. And it was actually my two sons. Because now Thomas, in 2015, Thomas was no longer a baby. Thomas was a toddler. And how Thomas would repeat and copy the things that I would say and do. And the thought come to me, you know, Ford, you say that you love your sons. And uh, you'd do anything for them. And even if somebody asked you to, you'd be willing to die for them. But I had to face up to the fact that I wasn't willing to live for them because of the way I was living my life. 
And, you know, I had to really face up to that. And for everything else, I could have talked my way out of something. I could have uh, talked my way around something as to how I was living my life. But whenever it come to this point, I couldn't argue this one away. And I put in an awful time with that. And so it was then in uh, the 1st of January 2016. 1st of January, uh, New Year's Day is a, is a day of a reflection, perhaps, on the year before. And also a day to look ahead to the incoming year. And I just knew that morning that I didn't want to put in a year in 2016 like I have in 2015. And so I very simply just asked the Lord Jesus into my heart. I asked him to come in and to wash away my sin. And just to, just to help me. Just to come in and walk with me. And, you know, I have to say that that's exactly what he did. Because I knew that I was changed. There mightn't have been a big outward difference uh, change for me, and, uh, but I knew in my heart that I was different because things of this world just lost their desire. Things even just simply that I would have laughed at on the television, I just didn't find funny anymore, and I knew that I was changed. But you know what? I'd love to be able to sit down now and say, glory to God, and that was the end of the story. But, you know, this is a... It's not a, a, a story by Walt Disney. This is a Ford Arnold story. It's not a fairy tale, you see. For I didn't realize that day on the 1st of January that I would have trials ahead of me. Later that same year, my grandfather, Ford, uh, he passed away in Boxing Day. And, uh, but I had a lot to be thankful for because my grandfather, Ford, he was 90 years of age. He had lived a long, full life. Never really had any sickness in, in that 90 years worth talking about. And, you know, later on in life, my granda Ford had got saved, so I had a lot to be thankful for. But it's still a big loss to me. He was a big part of my life, and uh, I missed him dearly. Then later on in 2019, my grandmother, Jean, my granda Ford's wife, uh, she had suffered for the previous seven or eight years with dementia. And just, you know, how awful that disease is, that it just comes and chips away at the wee granny, that I loved and knew. But, uh, and then she went home to be with the Lord in Easter in 2019. But again, still had a lot to be thankful for. My granny by that point that now was, was 90 also. And b back 20 years previous, my granny had got saved in a wee mission hall only one mile away from their home on the Listenshire Road. And so I knew that I would see my grandparents again. But, you know, my grandparents were very good to me in their life, but they were also very good to me in their death because they left me their, their family home on the farm. And so it was then in, in late 2019 and early 2020 that me and Nicky, we started to renovate the farmhouse with a view of moving into it. And uh, we, we had planned to move into it at Easter time in 2020. And, you know, we had a lot of excitement. We sort of, because of this this move and this renovation and our children were excited and looking forward to getting uh, bedrooms of their own now and uh, but also there was a lot of excitement uh, in Matthew's home Matthew was married uh, in 2018 and him and his wife Kira were expecting their first child and how much excitement there was in that also with Matthew and Kira expecting in March 2020 and so it was then on the 14th of March, 2020, Matthew and Kira welcomed their baby daughter, Eve, 
uh, in, into the world and how, how uh, it was powerful to see that. And it's funny because at that point now in 2020, me and Nikki had three children. We had our daughter uh, back in 2017, and we called her Emma. But I felt older. You'd think having three children would make you feel old enough, but it was never Maddie had a wee girl. I can remember thinking, I can't believe I'm an uncle, and Matthew, who's 10 years younger than me now as a father, because I always just thought of Matthew as wee Maddie, and uh, just for him to be a father now, it was uh, something else. But uh, Matthew and Kira come home, from Craig Avon, and they, um, but because COVID had just come, they were advised not to leave their house because they didn't know how this coronavirus could potentially affect a newborn child at that point. And Matthew and Kira were really nervous about it, as we all were whenever this whole pandemic started. But you know, Matthew's a country fella, and he didn't not like being cooped up in his house and his four walls for a week. And it was after a week it went in that Matthew phoned my mum and he says, Mum, listen, clear out my old bedroom. Me and Kira and Eve, we're coming to stay with you. We're gonna, if we're going to have to isolate, we can do it together. And so Maddie and Kira did. And little Eve, they moved and, and lived with my parents for a couple of weeks. And how precious time that was for mum and dad to get to see Matthew back home again as a father uh, back in their home. And they got to see him. Uh, for a few weeks at home as a father and how devoted he was to little Eve and how careful and tender he was with her and how that was precious time that the Lord gave us. But you know, the biggest challenge in my life to date was still to come. So it, it came on the 7th of April, 2020. It's just past the second anniversary and, you know, Matthew was back to work. His, Matthew's paternity leave and his holiday leave was up. And Matthew was back working alongside me in our family business in Dremore. We have a little uh, dessert uh, food business. And uh, we were open right throughout the pandemic. And Matthew, being classed as an essential worker, was, was back in work. And so it was Matthew. Me and Matthew worked together that, that Tuesday afternoon. And we had a problem with the production line. And uh, me and Matthew took it all apart into pieces and rebuilt it all and got it back fixed again. And everybody else in the factory was away. My dad had just left. And, you know, whenever we had built it back together, it had to go through, a bit like your washing machine at home in the kitchen, it had to go through a, a, a wash cycle. And I simply said to Matthew, I said, Matty, can you wait the 10 minutes and turn that off and lock the gate? I, I'm going to go on. And Matthew said, not a problem, four dust dead on. And I just called to him. I said, I'll see you in the morning, Matty. So off I left. I drove home. I left our factory our, uh, in Dremore. And I drove home to Donna Cloney, only five miles away. And just as I come home, Nicky had our, my dinner on the table. And uh, I, we had it in me in 10 minutes flat. And uh, our three children were jumping up and down. They were like, itching to go outside. And... Uh, we went outside and I was doing one of my favorite jobs at home and that's cutting the lawn and we were cutting the grass and just as I was doing that, I was only doing it 15 or 20 minutes and I could see Nikki coming walking down the lane to me and uh, she said, Ford, your mum's been trying to phone you, you haven't heard your phone and I, took, I stopped the lawnmower and I looked at my phone, I could see the missed calls on it and then the call come through and the news come through from Matthew's neighbour where Matthew and Kira were living in Donna Cloney to say that the place where at Matthew's door 
Now, I didn't need to hear any more. I jumped off the lawnmower and I ran up the yard and just hopped in my van and I drove down into the village, the, the one mile into the village. And I just met the police car as it was coming out of the estate and I waved it down. And I, I can always clearly remember asking the police officer, I said, he's looking for Matthew Arnold. And I can always remember he didn't say, yes, we are or no, we're not. He just simply said, who are you? And it was then at that point, just for the, whenever I said I'm his brother, that just for the briefest of seconds, the lady police officer in the passenger seat, she just lost her composure. And it was then that I knew something very, very bad had happened. But the police still have their job to do. They sat me down in the back of their police car and they simply explained to me that Matthew had been involved in a two-vehicle collision at approximately 6.30 and Matthew had been pronounced dead at the scene. You know, it's not something really I can, I can go into in detail uh, the days following that, but I just, because I'll not get this finished, but, you know, just completely world turned upside down. Just something I never expected in my life that I would face. You know, as you go through life, perhaps, you know, you plan or you, you almost expect someday to lose your, perhaps your grandparents. And then way down the road, way down the road, me and Matthew, we had perhaps expected to lose my mum and dad. But me and Maddie, would, we would shoulder that together. But for Matthew to be taken... And for him to be taken before me whenever I was 10 years older, just never thought, never ever crossed my mind. And, uh, but you know, again, just thrown back into a world of grief again. But just like 1989, whenever my other two brothers went home to be with the Lord, just against the blackness of the grief, just again the diamonds of blessing that the Lord gave us and how he drew close to us. Because in the days after... Matthew's home calling. We and our Arnold family, and also in Kira's Beatty family, together we've had nine family members who have come to know the Lord as their Savior. And how precious that is to know that. You know, it just, the wee verse in Romans where it says, you know, all things work together for good for them that love the Lord. You know, the verse is easy read and it's easy said. But, you know, it's not so easy to live sometimes. But the only way that I'll have to say that I have got through it, and we as our family have got through it, is simply by prayer and reading the Lord's word and casting all our cares on him. Because, you know, that's the only way we've got through this. And it's not just prayer by me, but also prayer by people here in this very house who have prayed for us and upheld our Arnold family in prayer. And I'm standing here tonight as living proof that prayer works because I'm here doing this, you know. And, uh, and the Lord has been, has been good. You know, and there's been many instances in this past two years where the Lord has spoken to me and brought a wee word to me. Should it have been bad tax message from somebody or even an email or a kindly written uh, letter or a card? But you know, the one, I suppose I'm just going to simply share one with you, one instance with you of how the Lord has been, uh, has guided my path. And that was simply a few months after, um, late on in 2020, um, 
part of my job role is driving our wee delivery van, and I had a delivery to do one day uh, to Lurgan. And I left our factory in Dremore, and I was driving the road to Lurgan. And two things was, one, I would pass Dremore Cathedral on that road where Matthew was buried, and my other two brothers were buried. And, you know, just as you drive past Dremore Cathedral, you can see the Arnold on the headstone behind the wall as you pass. And then another couple of miles out of the road, then I passed the scene of where Matthew's accident was. And just that day, I just was really down and caught up that day. And I just remember clearly crying on to God and just saying, Lord, why me? And please don't mistake me. I don't mean that in a feeling sorry for myself kind of way. I simply meant, you know, why me, Lord? Why isn't it Thomas that's here giving his testimony and carried off tonight or Wednesday or Matthew? Why, Lord, am I the one brother out of four that's been left behind? Do you know, as I got to the delivery site in Lurgan, by that point, the tears were running down my face, and uh, I just was really brokenhearted. And, you know, something led me just to look up my name, Ford. Why Ford? Why was it me? And, you know, I googled my name that day, and whenever you look up the word Ford, it's an old English word, and it simply means a shallow and a safe place to cross a river. And deep down in the back in the back of my mind, I knew that that was the case because I could remember learning that at school in geography way back in my GCSEs. And even you'll see it written on an ordnance survey map of any of you walk in the Mourne Mountains, anywhere where there's a wee stream or there's a wee shallow place to cross some of the streams in the Mourns, they'll have forward written on the map. And but it was it was whenever you look something up in Google, there's also your related images. And it was an image that day that struck me whenever I looked it up on my phone. And it was off a road sign. And you don't see this road sign here too often. But it was a road sign here. And I've got a picture of it. And it was just of this road sign forward. And I looked at it. I could see my name written in the middle of it. But as I looked at that road sign, my eye was immediately drawn to the three corners of it. And I immediately just thought of my three brothers and I looked at the red band round the sign and I just thought of the blood that the Lord Jesus had shed for the three of them because I knew the three boys were at home in heaven. I knew that Thomas and Wensley were in heaven and I knew that Matthew was saved also and how precious that was. But you know, that just, and as I was thinking that, and now I was driving home the road from Lurgan back to Dremore and how my whole feeling was completely changed I couldn't believe what I, was, what I had seen and what the Lord had pointed me to. But then, you know, the devil come and he said, ah, that's just a coincidence, Ford. You're only, you're only seeing what you want to see. But, you know, as I passed the scene of where Matthew's accident was, it was only then that I had realized I've lived there in that area for nearly 37 years. And... The, officially, that junction is known as the, 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 the junction of the B2 Lurgan Road with the Black Skull Road. But if you're from our neck of the woods, that uh, junction is known as the Thorny Ford. Where Matthew's accident was, was at a ford. And I just, I couldn't believe this. The Lord was speaking to me again. Again, just to underline it, that I was thinking the right thing. 
You know, just before that bridge was built there, the wee stony bridge over the river Lagan, there's a weir there, and that's why it's known as the Thorny Ford, where it was a shallow place for the farmers to bring their cattle to the market town of Dremore. And uh, it was a safe and shallow place to cross the river Lagan. And so that's just the thought I want to leave with you as I close. The way I look at life is your life is very much like a river. It starts off very small away up in the mountains. And whenever it starts, it's only a wee trickle. It's not too big. And, you know, the wee river of your life, you know, it comes down the mountain and, boy, it's moving fast at that point. Just like it is whenever you're a child and you're a teenager. Boy, it's rushing about. But, you know, some rivers also, they're longer than others. I don't know why Matthew's River was only 24 years. And I don't know how long my river will be either. But the way I look at it is the river of your life. All rivers lead to the eternity of the ocean. And you have a choice to make very simply. You can either walk the river on the Lord's side of the river or you can walk on the world's side because there's two sides to a river. And that's just how I see it. You can walk on the world's side or you can walk with the Lord's side. But to go from one, from the world's side to the Lord's side, you're going to need a ford to cross. You're going to need a shallow and a safe place to cross the river. And just as the Lord has said in his word in the verse that we read earlier, Fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. You know, it's very simple tonight. And I'm not getting ahead of myself because Ford Arnold can't save you. My job here tonight and what the Lord has got to work for me to do is no more than, than this road sign. It's just to point you to it. It's just to tell you it's there. To tell you there's an opportunity to cross the river tonight. There's a safe and a shallow place for you to cross the river and walk with the Lord. And there's really only two things that you need to do to cross the river. It's to put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Ask him into your heart and to change you. And the second thing is just to confess that Christ is king. And that's all I want to leave with you. Thank you very much for listening. Amen. Thank Ford for this very clear word of testimony and for sharing with us and applying the word in the gospel.